This episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast is brought to you by my friend James Bean and SeedsHereNow.com. SeedsHereNow.com carries seeds from all of the industry's leading breeders, and with Crypto Wednesdays, James Bean's vault, and the Easy Peasy credit card checkout, you cannot go wrong with SeedsHereNow.com. Welcome to the show, podcast world. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff. This is episode 768 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to answer a couple of grow questions. Before we get to that part of the show, let's do a few shout outs to a few of those great folks who continue to support the show on Patreon. Let's kick it off with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast. Thank you. Shout out to one of my favorite growers, my buddy, Root305. Let's send a big thank you. Shout out to my Canadian buddy, J.H., I want to send a thank you shout out to Kip. Let's send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to Larf Knight Rises. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Elders Garden. I want to send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to my buddy Mr. Mean Green. Let's send a thank you shout out to Growing Tennessee. Let's send a big fist bump to Effa Plant Count. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Roll This Nug and Randy's Farms. Let's send a big fist bump to Jay Dutch and Noah N. And let's wrap it all up with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to Anvil Gardens. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. And you know, I do include a link in the show notes and in the video description to make it nice and easy for all of my friends to support the show. Speaking of Patreon, I am working on a Patreon special episode. I do not try to leave any grow material out on Patreon, so I do special content on Patreon. I am planning an episode where I'm going to eat a heavy dose of edibles and ask questions about myself. That's right, I ask the patrons to contribute questions that they've always wanted to know or ask. I've gotten a lot of great feedback already. That episode is in the works. It is being planned, being written. I'm uh, compiling questions. I encourage you to join the Patreon campaign and send me your questions and stay tuned for the episode Uh, that will be coming out on the beginning of next month. So stay tuned for that. But join us on Patreon. Look forward to the episode where I eat too many edibles and try to tell and try to answer questions about myself that the patrons have sent in. So check that one out. That will be coming out next month. Before I get too far, I do want to give everybody a big thanks for 10,000 YouTube subscribers. I do appreciate it. That was a big push. We got a lot of great folks supporting us. There are 10,000 people subscribed. Thank you. I do appreciate each and every one of you. If you're not already subscribed to the show, please do click that subscribe button. Also click that notification bell. Every time I put out a new episode, you will get a notification. You will not miss any episodes. Also, There are 768 episodes of this podcast. They hear a lot of times, hey, bro, I wish you'd put out more content. Uh, We miss you doing two shows a week. There are 767 more episodes that you could go back and listen to that if you haven't heard all of them, I do encourage you to go back and listen to the old content. There's a lot of great stuff in there. Still a lot of great uh, grow knowledge, grow information, grow tech to learn. Uh, Even if the episodes aren't completely current, that info is still completely useful. Also, a lot of people do laugh and enjoy watching the older shows, going back and seeing how the show has evolved, uh, how my approach to podcasting, how the gear, how everything has evolved. My point is, go watch a lot of the old episodes. I've been noticing that some of them have been getting more views and more clicks. So thank you for that. Once again, thank you for 10,000 subscribers on the YouTube. 
All right, I feel like that is enough rambling here at the top of the show. I did say that I was going to answer grow questions. I've got a couple of great emails right here in front of me. This one comes from my friend Kip. Big shout out to my buddy Kip. It goes a lot like this. It says, what's up, Rasta Jeff? What's up, Kip? Good to see you. Thank you for the Patreon support. Thank you for the great question. It says, I've got a quick question for you. I was wondering, in your experience, what is the best practice for flipping into flower after taking clones? That is a very good question. Kip goes on to say, I typically wait a couple of weeks so I can make sure my roots or my cuts root, but I've been getting nearly 100% rooting success lately. Uh, the funny part about that is as soon as you get too confident and you do flip your plants early, that's when you're going to have rooting problems. I'm not trying to curse you. I'm not trying to jinx you. That is the way that the grow gods do treat us. So be very careful with that. Uh, it goes on. It does say, is there a timeline you should wait to flip after taking cuts or can you take a cut from a healthy plant and then go straight into flower? I'm doing a fairly large pheno hunt right now of 36 plants. Congratulations, bro. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, in my two by four with solo cups and I want to keep them small. Also, thanks for all of the great content every week and for the bomb genetics. Enjoy your week, brother from Kip. I had some notes on here, but as I was reading this, I realized you're doing this in solo cups and I'm going to give one more detail uh, before I read the notes that I actually have written. Uh, to avoid taking clones from 36 solo cups, have you thought about revegging? I know that is totally derailing your plan. You're asking me about cloning, which I will get to, but in my mind, if you're running solo cups, those plants are gonna get, they're only gonna get so big. You don't want them too large in a solo cup, especially in your limited space, large plant count there. I would just grow them very small, then I would flower them, then I would mark, uh, I would keep my favorites. Then when I come to harvest, I would not harvest all of it. I'd leave the bottom buds from every one of them, then smoke it and then re-veg your favorites. That's what I would do. I would re-veg them instead of doing clones for plants this small. But I don't want to ruin your whole strategy. I don't want to rethink your whole program. That's just a suggestion. That is what would Rasta Jeff do. I would just re-veg. Now let's focus on the question because that's what you want to know. Let me be useful here. There are a couple of different ways to do this. In most situations, we would not be running such small plants. In most situations, we're gonna have larger plants. Most people are not growing in solo cups. Uh, very small percentage of us out there are growing in cups. I do it, that's how I run a lot of testers. Uh, some of the things that I just bred, I don't know what they're gonna do. I wanna see if it's intersex, see if it smells good, looks good. So I'll run a bunch of those in cups just to get a feel for what I've got, but not everybody does that. In most scenarios, we're gonna be growing larger plants in larger containers. So the first scenario I wanna talk about is if we were to take clones from the bottom of the plant, a lot of times the plants will grow up, we leave the tops alone, we clean up the bottom right before we go into flower, that's called lollipopping or shaving the legs. Uh, you clean up the bottom branches and then take the suckers off the lower branches that you do leave. When you're doing that, I find that to be a great opportunity to take a couple of clones. The bottoms will have two, four, maybe six clones available right there on the bottom you can cut off. If you are taking clones from the bottom, you can cut those off and you could, in theory, put your plant into flower right away because you don't need any hormones to move around. You don't need any recovery time because you're taking stuff from the bottom. You're just completely removing it. The hormones are already at the top where you want them. So if you're gonna take stuff from the bottom when you're lollipopping, you can do that basically anytime. They don't need recovery time for that. Again, that one detail you should focus on is do you have roots on your clones or are you confident that your clones will root before you put your other plants into flower? I still kind of use that same practice. I don't flower the room until I see roots on the other clones that I've taken so I know I've got backups. That's kind of a practice that I do employ. Let's talk about another option now. Uh, if you do choose to take clones from the top of the plants, then yes, I would wait for some recovery time. 
When I'm growing larger plants, I do generally top the plant once or twice. That main apical top makes a beautiful clone. A lot of times, I will take the two bottoms and the main top right out of the plant and use those as my three clones in my cloner or in my clone machine. So that's where my first three clones will come from. If I take that top clone, I do allow the plants at least 10 to 14 days to recover. You want the hormones in that plant to move around so that, that plant can establish who's got the new apical dominant top. That's part of why we top it is to confuse that plant's hormones. And it goes, wait, we had one dominant top. That's the plant's goal is to have one dominant top to get up there and get pollinated. And the rest of the branches are just kind of extra branches to get pollen and keep life going. But when you take out that main top, all the others go, hey, I've got the chance to be the top. So we got to let that action happen and they'll all even out and they'll all try to grow up and be tops and you get a bunch more main tops on the plant. We do need to allow some time for those hormones to move around and for things to recover after we do take the main top out. You could hypothetically go directly into flower, but you will get a much smaller yield. Your top buds won't be as large as they could be. And that's always where most of the weight and the yield and the bulk comes from is that top part of the plant there. So you would be handicapping yourself, uh, kneecapping, crippling yourself if you were to do that too quickly. Another thing to think about there is if you are trellising, if you're topping, or if you're scrogging, excuse me, if you're working them into a net, you may want to allow some time to work them in the net, let them recover a little bit before you do put them into flower. That will help them grow, like I said, bigger, fatter buds, and that is the main goal, is those big, fat, juicy nuggets. So uh, if you are taking the quick answer, if you're taking clones from the bottom, go ahead and flip it. If you're cutting the tops, do allow some time for recovery. My friend Kip, thank you for the great, great question, bro. I do appreciate it. I look forward to hearing back from you. And I do look forward to seeing how your 36 plant phenol hunt goes in your small space. If you need any help, have any questions, need some guidance, please do reach out for that because I've done basically this exact thing that you are going to do. And I do wish you the best of luck. All right, I'm going to keep the show moving. I do have one more great question right here in front of me. This one comes from our friend Sean. It doesn't have a lot of info about the name they want me to use, so we're going to call you Sean today. This one was quick and to the point. It said, do a video collecting pollen, uh, another pollinating a female. Then it says, you've done the STS and clone cutting. Just a thought, but I know you're busy, man. I love these quick to the point emails. These are awesome. Um, let's talk about this. So Sean said, do a video collecting pollen. That is a great idea. However, um, YouTube does not like it when I post videos that do contain live plants. Uh, YouTube has removed a couple of my videos because they've got live plants in them. Uh, YouTube has also been taking down uh, videos and channels uh, that are part of our community. So I'm trying to be extra careful. You may have noticed sometimes I'm more careful with some of the words that I do use. I'm definitely going to be uh, more careful with some of the content. I would like to keep the channel alive. We do a lot of education. We've got a great community here. The comment section is always beautiful. You guys keep going in the comments. I love that. But I have to be very careful with what I'm putting out on YouTube. So I cannot do a pollen collection video but I can describe it with words. That should be safe. So let me talk a little bit about collecting pollen. I've got too many notes on the table here. Let me cover up this other page so I'm not so distracted. Yes, I do have the ADD. Um, big shout out to the friend who made the Lemon Jeffrey Concentrate. It is working, bro. Anyway, let's get back on track. Let's talk about collecting pollen. I can't show you the plants because of YouTube rules. That's my first note here. Um, the first thing I wanna talk about when it comes to collecting pollen is uh, know your male. What are you working with? Do you know that that's a good male? Where'd you get that? Make a good decision there. Then the next thing I'm gonna talk about is uh, no wind and no disruptions and no sprays. We don't want a lot of wind in the room. So you're gonna put your plant into flower 
and around day 14 or day 17, maybe 21-ish, you're going to start getting a lot of pollen. We don't need any wind in the room that's going to blow that pollen right off of your plant. You're not going to be able to collect it. We don't want to spray anything in the room because that, of course, is going to destroy the pollen. We don't want that. Basically, no disruptions to this plant. Try not to nudge it, bump it, don't move it around. Keep that male plant in the same place so that it can basically build up a whole bunch of pollen for you to collect. All right, so there are several ways to collect the pollen. Let's jump into that part. The first method that I'm going to talk about is while the plant is still alive and standing, and then eventually we will cut this plant down and talk about other ways to gather the pollen there. The first way, it, this plant is standing. You've got your growing plant. It is growing just like a normal plant, except this one's a boy. It's got balls all over it. Uh, one thing you can do to collect the pollen is to put a collection vessel underneath the plant. I've seen people use a big mirror. I've seen people use dinner plates. I've seen people use just a sheet of glass, something like that underneath the plant that will collect the pollen that you can scrape it up and scoop it up very easily is a really good idea. Make sure that whatever you use is non-static. I've seen people use like a little plate that was plastic or a styrofoam plate and the pollen actually fell out of the plant and static electricity pushed that pollen right away and we did not collect any pollen at all because there was static on the plastic or styrofoam plate. Don't do that. I recommend glass. Uh, maybe a Pyrex dish, maybe a glass dinner plate. If you've got a big mirror, that is perfect. So imagine uh, that you just put the mirror down and this is just an idea. Uh, you put the mirror down under the plant and then you set the plant, the whole pot right on top of that mirror. Then all of the pollen that falls down will land right on that mirror or that sheet of glass or whatever you have chosen. Now that does sound kind of sketchy because you're putting a plant right onto the mirror. If you've got a small plant, it's not a big deal. If you've got a thick mirror, it's not a big deal. You got to run some risks if you want to win the game sometimes. Now, another thing we could talk about is uh, you just let that pollen fall right onto that mirror. So it'll start pollinating, it'll fall right down on there. Another thing we can do is sometimes I'll take a plant and instead of letting it grow straight up, I'll just grab it right in the middle and I'll put a tie on it and I'll bend that plant down, maybe like a 45, maybe a 90 degree angle. I'm not sure where my arm is right now. I'm not good with angles, I guess. Uh, that's a 45. We'll put it at a 45 degree angle and then we'll put the collection vessel underneath that. Now the plant's kind of tipped. It's going to fall more directly onto the vessel. You don't have the 360 falling of pollen. You got one more long distance of pollen falling, maybe like a, a glass baking sheet, a Pyrex sheet or something like that would be perfect to collect the pollen underneath there. So you can just let it grow and that pollen will start falling out. That's a really easy way to do it. Um, another way that you could do it is to start tapping the plant. If you've got it growing straight up or if you've got it tipped over, I go in there. I honestly, I'm a drummer. I've got drumsticks laying around. I go in with a drumstick and a collection vessel, usually a Pyrex dish, sometimes a jar. And I'll just hold that dish or that Pyrex dish or the jar right up to the plant. And I'll just start tapping the plant and the pollen falls right out into my dish. I just use the drumstick, tap, tap, tap. When you do this, pollen is going to go everywhere. I recommend maybe wearing a mask, maybe covering up. If you've got other plants around that you don't want to pollinate, definitely take precautions for that. You may want to wet those plants while you're messing with the pollen, then clean yourself up. Make sure that, so water deactivates pollen, you guys. If you've got pollen on you in your dreadlocks, in your clothes, in your beard, on your clothes, uh, wherever else I haven't said on your shoes is where I think I'm headed, uh, water will deactivate that. So you can get a pump sprayer or a water bottle, spray yourself down real good or hop in the shower. That will get rid of all that active pollen. Also, if you spray down the plants, uh, the pistols are wet. They are less likely to receive the pollen at that time. That should help you out 
a little bit, but be, be very careful because that pollen is very tiny and one flake of pollen equals one seed and you can get a bunch of pollen just stuck in your dreadlocks and your arm hair and your clothes on your shoes. It does not take much, so be very careful with the pollen. So as soon as you start tapping that plant, pollen is going to start coming out and going flying. A lot of it will fall straight down. Tap gently just enough. Maybe tap lower on the branch. Tap down here and the pollen up here will start falling out. Don't be too aggressive. Also, don't have any fans on. Don't breathe too heavily. And definitely do not sneeze because you will blow your pollen all over the place. All of your work will be a waste of time. That pollen will go everywhere. As long as this plant is alive, it will continue to produce pollen up till probably week 10, week 11. Whenever it starts burning out, it'll start, it'll go into senescence and give up, but you'll get plenty of pollen out of it. You can keep that plant pollinating and just keep tapping it every few days and more pollen will come out or leave your collection vessel underneath it and more pollen will land onto that glass plate or that Pyrex dish. If you've got it bent over, more pollen will fall out. I've seen guys just run a ganja plant, a male ganja plant in the extra bathroom or in the window, just in the sunlight in the flowering season. Right now, outdoor season, the plant would go into flower within 21 days. <clears throat> Excuse me, within 21-ish days, it would start banging out pollen. We could collect pollen really easily just by putting a plant in this window right here and give it some time. If we gave it a dark period, if we turned off all the all the lights in the house and just used the, the sunlight, the natural sunlight. So if you put a plant in the bathroom, close the door, open the window, let the sun function on that, it would make pollen for you if it were a male it would begin to make pollen for you you could collect pollen that easily now we can continue to collect pollen until we've got as much as we need we do not need a lot once you feel like this plant is done now it is time to cut the plant down i would gently carefully if you can try to remove the largest leaves from the plant not a big deal if you can't do it without disturbing the plant i'm kind of a defoliation ninja i could just grab with the thumb and the forefinger and just take off the leaf real easily it just pops right off for me if you don't have those ninja skills maybe don't do it but now is a good time to take off some of the bigger leaves then i usually get a pyrex dish i've got a pyrex dish that my, I don't even know where it came from. It probably used to be made to make, used to make brownies or some sort of casserole. I have commandeered it. That is now my pollen collection vessel. Uh, it's about probably 16 inches long and eight or nine inches wide. A beautiful pan to go in the oven. No longer that. Now it is my pollen dish. I usually take the top off the plant or if it's a small plant, maybe I'll take the whole plant, chop it and gently lay that male plant into that Pyrex dish and I will let it dry right there. As it dries, more pollen will fall out of it. So it'll just fall, all the pollen comes out into that Pyrex dish. Once I feel like it's super dry, I'll kind of crunch the tops with my fingers. All the last bits of pollen will fall out. I'll lift that male plant and I just give it one of these. I kind of grab it at the base and use my fingers just to kind of pull all the, the pollen right off of there into the dish to make sure to get the last of it. Then I'll discard that male plant. He's done his job. I've got a dish with pollen in it. Now I let that dry. I want the pollen dry. I'm gonna say it again, bone, bone dry. I said earlier, water will destroy your pollen. So at this point, we want to get that bone dry. I would get tweezers, I'd get some sort of sifting device and pull out all of the debris, all of the male flowers, anything that is not pollen needs to come out of here. Let it dry really dry. Then put it in a container, an airtight dry container. I prefer a glass container, maybe a glass vial with a silicate pack. I'm going to say it again, a silicate pack, not a Bovita pack. We want the package that sucks up the moisture, not maintains a humidity level. We want zero humidity in this package. So put a, uh, put a silicate pack in there. Some people use rice to absorb the moisture. That may work for you. I don't know how much rice per, pol uh, per pollen. Honestly, I don't do that. 
I use the, the silicate pack. So put that in there to absorb the moisture and get your package super dry before you seal it up. Then when you seal it up, I do recommend you put that in a cool, dry, dark place. I keep my pollen in the crisper drawer in the refrigerator, and it seems to work for about two, maybe three or four, sometimes up to six months. It depends on the pollen. Uh, kind of depends on, I don't know, I've had a lot of variables, so I don't know what it really depends on. Some of it stores real well, some of it just doesn't. Now, the way that I usually do this is I don't generally collect a lot of pollen. The way that I usually do it is I will run the male plant, I'll run the female plants, I'll time them perfectly. When it is time for pollination, I drag that boy plant right to the middle of the room and I give them a good shake and all that pollen will come out and I'll watch that pollen go everywhere. There are no fans on. Uh, I usually do it in the dark. <clears throat> I try not to breathe. I try not to sneeze. Let the pollination happen. Then I'll wait four or five days. Let that pollen build up again. I'll go back in there, give him another shake. Then when I'm done shaking him, I'll cut him down and actually go and smack that male plant either against the fan or against the light. I've got lights with the shield right at the glass, uh, the glass reflector right above it. I'll hit that light and the pollen just comes raining down. Yeah, it makes a little extra cleanup. There's pollen everywhere. I got to clean up anyway. So I smack that dead plant. I just cut it down. I smack that plant right up against the light. All the pollen comes raining down. Then I will discard that male plant because I don't need it anymore. But I don't even keep the male around. I don't collect the pollen. I just cut him down, smack him around, get the pollen everywhere. He's done his job and now he's free to go. Now you've got pollen in your collection vessel. Uh, you've probably stored it. You've had it in the fridge for a little while. Now your female plants are ready for pollination. Let's talk about how to do that. There are several ways you could do it. If you've got a lot of pollen, you could just go in there and maybe turn off all the fans and just go right above the uh, right above the canopy and just open up your pollen, whatever it's in, and just give it a few taps and just let some pollen just gently fall out. You'll see it just gently sprinkle the plants. Or if you wanna carefully pollinate one or two branches, you could get a Q-tip or a paintbrush and you could pull the branch down that you want. Maybe even pull that plant out of the room and do this in a more isolated space. Take that female plant, take that pollen, and just paint the branches that you want with the pollen. Put a Q-tip or the paintbrush right into the pollen and then carefully apply that pollen to the pistils of the plant you want to pollinate. Then mark that branch. If you only do a couple of branches, mark it. Keep an eye on that branch. Then when those seeds are ready, you know that they're right there in that one, those two branches that you pollinated. Be very careful because I've talked about how easy it is to accidentally pollinate things. Uh, if you sneeze, if you breathe too heavily, if you bump that jar, if you bump the baggie, pollen will go flying around. You may accidentally pollinate things. But if you are careful, you should be able to use a Q-tip, a paintbrush, something of that nature and get in there and scoop a little bit of pollen out of that container and just apply it perfectly to the plants or you could take it and you could just sprinkle it right above the plants. I've seen guys pour it onto a piece of paper and just blow on it. But when you blow on it, that shit goes everywhere. It's gonna move more than you expect. It takes one or two test runs maybe to figure out how hard to blow to get the pollen to move, but dump it onto a little piece of paper and just give it a, and just let it blow. The reason you don't go straight onto your hand, you guys, is because your sweat will destroy the pollen. That moisture will has the opportunity, the potential to destroy your pollen. So let me make sure that I've answered most of the question here. Uh, collect the pollen, tap it, just bend the plant over and tap it and collect that shit or let the plant get uh, finished up, cut it down when you've got enough pollen and then start fucking smacking that plant on flowers or put it in a container, collect the pollen that way. Get the pollen super dry. That is one of the most important parts here. Um, use a silicate pack, do not use a Boveda pack. Uh, dry the pollen, then use a paintbrush or a Q-tip to apply the pollen 
to the branches that you want to pollinate. When you have successful pollination, you will see uh, the pistils kind of curl in. The pistils look like the dandelions, the hairs you guys call them. That part is sticking out. When you put pollen on there, that part will curl up and turn brown and get withered. That is a sign of successful pollination. Pay attention to the parts you've pollinated. Over the next few weeks, watch the development. Around four, five, six weeks in, some plants go faster than others. You guys, I can't tell you exactly how long it will take. Uh, four, five, six weeks in, you'll start seeing the seeds getting harder. Uh, around five or six weeks, start pulling one or two out randomly and just squeezing them and see how hard they are. Around week seven or week eight, they'll definitely be ready by then. You'll have a nice batch of seeds. Uh, the way I harvest seeds, we'll just quickly do this since we're here. I've done a full show on it, but we'll go quickly. Uh, when I harvest for seed, uh, right before harvest time, I do a heavy defoliation. We don't need all those leaves in there. Also, I turn my lights back to 18.6. Uh, shortly after pollination to speed up the time uh, to get the seeds ripe, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I chop, I heavily defoliate. I chop down the plants. I hang them upside down. I let them get completely dry. Before I even mess with these plants, they are bone dry. If you're trying to grow weed and smoke this weed, it's going to be dust. This is useless. So I let it get bone, bone dry. Then I take that plant and I put it into a big sterlite container and I use a glove and I just pull all of the buds off the sticks. I just yank the sticks right out of it so the buds land in this container. It sounds like seeds and rocks hitting the container. Then I put on rubber gloves again and I grind all that bud up with my hands until I've got just a pile. It looks like we're gonna roll a bunch of joints and there's a bunch of seeds in it and a bunch of joint material. Then I will run that through a seed sorting machine. I do have a seed sorting machine that makes it very easy. If you've got a lot of seeds, I would recommend investing in that. It will save you a lot of time. If not, there are a lot of ways to go about sorting the seeds, but that is how I harvest. I defoliate, cut them down, let them hang, get them dry as fuck. And then once they're dry as fuck, I just do this and crumble them up until I've got joint rolling material, pull out all the sticks, pull out all the junk, then pull out all the seeds. Honestly, the rest of that material has been so beat up that it goes into the compost bin or the Bokashi bucket. I do not even use it. That may offend a lot of people, but it is garbage at this point. There's so much chlorophyll and just junk and dust in it that you don't even want it. All right, I think I've covered the best part of my pollination and collecting pollen uh, recipe, my secret here, my guide. Uh, if you've got any more questions, please do send me an email. If anybody out there has any questions, corrections, comments, concerns, uh, maybe any follow-ups, let me know. The email address is growfromyourheart at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Please reach out. I do appreciate the listener interaction. Also, make sure you support the Patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash growfromyourheart. I will put a link in the video description. Somebody told me recently that the link I used was not working. I do apologize. I'll put an updated link in the description or just go patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. That will get you there. Everything else is on my website at iregenetics.com. Make sure you check out iredirect. Get those fresh beans straight from the source. Um, there is a link to the Discord. There is a link to the Patreon there. Everything you could possibly imagine is at iregenetics.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, pimps, hoes, friends, foes, smokers, growers, clone cutters, pollen chuckers, all of you beautiful cannabis enthusiasts out there, I do want to thank you once again for listening to another episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. You know I'll be back in one week with fresh new content. I want to give a giant shout out to my good friend Sonic. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mama a hug for me.